my my heart and my entire being shouting for joy to the living God. Now even the birds have found a home there. The swallow has built a nest where she can protect her young. And near your altar is the Lord who rules over all. My King and my God. Maybe you could say that to the Lord. My King and my God. How blessed are those who live in your temple and praise you continually. Selah. How blessed are those who find their strength in you and long to travel the roads that lead to your temple. As they pass through the valley of Abaca. The valley of Abaca means to weep. Even though that they went through the valley of weeping or the valley of affliction, in the midst of affliction, in the midst of the valley of difficulty and trial, the Lord provides a spring for them. The rain even covers it with pools of water. And they're sustained as they travel along. Each one appears. Each one appears before God in Zion. Our very appearance is before the Lord, even now, before the Lord, our very appearance, O Lord. We proclaim that you're sovereign. We ask you that you would hear our prayer. Listen, O God of Jacob, say what? of our shield show your concern for your chosen king certainly with all certainty spending just one day in your temple courts is a better than spending a thousand elsewhere I would rather stand in the entrance to the temple of my God and live in the tents of the wicked. We say, Lord God, you're our sovereign protector. We say that you bestow favor and honor. And hear this church, that he will withhold no good thing from those who walk in integrity. No good thing will he withhold from you. O Lord, who rules over all, Blessed are those who put all their trust in you. Amen.
Your hands and 
And when I'm present, I may not have to be bold with the confidence that I expect or I dare to use against some who consider themselves to be behaving according to the human standards. For though we live as human beings, we do not wage war according to human standards. For the weapons, the weapons of our warfare, they're not human weapons, but they're powerful by God. For the tearing down of strongholds, we tear down arguments and every arrogant obstacle raised up against the knowledge of God. Taking every thought captive. Every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Paul said we're ready to punish every act of disobedience where every, where every, whenever your obedience is complete. You're looking at outward appearances. But if anyone is confident that he belongs to Christ, he should reflect on this again. Just as he belongs to Christ, so too do we. Weapons, the weapons that are being employed against the situation in your life, the, in the standard of the which you're living right now. Just remember, it is not a human weapon, it is not a human, according to a human pattern or a human standard. The weapons that you have, they're made powerful by the Lord. When they're not carnal, when they're not fleshly, to the pulling down of the very stronghold you need to see, like Dazab. It may be in your family's life, a situation that you're believing the Lord for. That every act of and thought of arrogance is an obstacle. That we recognize our full dependency on you, Lord. And we know that. We know that the Lord raises up out of the knowledge of who he is, how to bring us into taking every thought captive so that it obeys the Lord. The Holy Spirit is telling me to tell you this. With this kind of mind, I will obliterate every obstacle in your path. When a mind is in line with me, every obstacle it has to just, he said, I'll obliterate it. I will bring down every stronghold. To the one who is humble, the one who is dependent on me, I will deal with the things that you cannot deal with. I will deal with them for you. I will take care of your situation your family situation. You align your mind with my mind. You come in agreement with me. And today, like, watch it with your own eyes. 
as the Lord takes down the obstacles in your life that just seem like they're just insurmountable that you cannot handle. The Lord is, he is bent on, in his goodness of taking care of things for us that we have not been able to take care of ourselves. Family situation has been a long-term situation. But Holy Spirit, I, I want to put an end to things. I just want agreement. I'm not asking you to do something. I'm asking you to agree with me. I'm asking you to agree with me that you would take every thought captive and come in complete conformity to my will and purpose in your life. That's all I want. That's all he wants. And I'll take care of it for you. Jesus said, my father's always working. He was demonstrating to us that out of the rest of faith, out of the Sabbath rest, when the soul is completely stabilized in the Lord, it was out of rest that a man would get up on a mat out with his mouth and walk. Everything Jesus did was from a place of Sabbath. I said as many times before, but as the Holy Spirit said to me, the sovereignty rests in the individual. At the point the individual rests in the sovereign. The Lord is seeking for a place to rest in you. And the rest in us. His greatest longing, I think, of the Lord's heart without imposing his will or manipulating us is that he would find a place to rest in the human soul with a full dynamic operation going out from us. Christ in us, Christ in you, the hope of glory, radiation, radiating light, radiating glory, energy flashing forth, sobbing, uncreated God, repairing, Uncreated God restoring. God's life in you. Connect to Him. He desires connection. He longs for connection. Full impartation of the glory of the manifest God in us, manifesting out from us, spark of life, ignition, flame, wind of God. Oh. The rustling of the winds of the Lord blowing. Seating on our behalf for full connection. Holy Spirit, take your operation. We submit it to you. Have your way with us, Lord.
disease. And... Life, life, life. You're the eternal.
just telling me this phrase of a couple of words of this mal malchut. Malchut. Said me malchut interlocked. I looked this up, it means it is not the same thing as the potential to be, but it means actual being. It means the final manifestation. It means the original intention. It is for this reason that Malchut is also called the Shekinah, or the divine indwelling presence, the imminent revelation of God. He's showing me this like I want my foot interlock in your minds. In my mind, it sounds something like a crown. To be crowned with glory. Maybe what Paul was saying there when he said to put on the mind of Christ, meaning that you must put on the mind of Christ. This Malchut, he wants to interlock the final manifestation, the original intention that he has for you, his original intention of your being, that the Shekinah light of God's indwelling presence will break forth and shine from you. He says, Paul says, you must put on the mind. Maybe you can take your hands like this. Agreement with you, the Lord. Giving myself completely to you, Lord. Oh, oh. Original intention, original purpose, what I was made for, who I'm created to be. experiences that have not been good. Hurts that have come even before you could even conceive them or think of them that they came all the way back through our ancestries. I cause the synapses to fire where they're not fired before. Breaking down the paths of fear. Breaking down paths that have been alternate paths to the created original design 
that God placed when he built your brain. Healing. New pathways. New pathways, novel pathways. Thoughts that you never had before. Thoughts that originate with the Lord. Thoughts that come outside of time and space. Thoughts pervading onto your consciousness. Thoughts that would finally connect the dots. Making sense of things that you've not been able to make sense of before. central nervous system affecting you bodily I was made for you Lord I was made to crave you Lord you're my desire Yeah, yeah. 
give an explanation about that interlock. I mean, how to say that. Um, but the Lord is speaking to me in the same timing as that, in a different way, but it interlocks or it interfaces. It's Song of Songs, chapter 2, verse 8. So if I could try to help us to enter into that together. Listen. Listen. My beloved. Listen. My beloved. It's not just information. Listen. The voice of love. As we listen, my beloved tenderizes our hearts, softens our hearts, opens our hearts, to where we then look, he's coming. Song of Songs 2.8, listen to your beloved, and then you look. And he's coming. This is a love. There is no one that can love on the inside. This is a person, no matter how entangled you become with another human being and how wrapped up you become in them in the flesh, God in his love actually comes on the inside of us and loves us in a place and in a way that no person can. Thank you, Lord. In that context, listen, my beloved, look, he's coming. Then we look and we see our beloved climbing the mountains, scaling the walls. Listen, my beloved, look, he's coming. He's climbing that mountain. He's leaping the hills. And in this interlock, in this uh, word Carol was sharing, what I saw was is as we open it and he comes on the inside, he opens the inside of our eyes to look at him on the outside, but on the outside, we see the same on the inside. So as an example, you see something on the outside, like say the Bible, and you say, I want to memorize the Bible. I don't know how to do this because my brain isn't working real good. I want to memorize the Bible. There's a hill that, or a, a wall that you want to scale. There's a hill that, and, but you see the Lord there. And you want to be with the Lord on that hill. But because he's on the inside, there's a hill on the inside. And you realize that hill on the inside is the key to actually knowing him in the way you want to know him out there. And he might do something like open up that area of your heart to unlock the ability to memorize or do something or be something that you haven't been able to be before, a new pathway. And maybe it has something to do with love. Listen, my beloved, look. He's coming. He's climbing the mountain. He's leaping the hills. He scales a wall. And we 
scale the wall with them. He climbs the mountain, and we climb the mountain with them.
continuing in your hands. Just stand across the front and face the other direction. That way. Face out with your hands. Tingling in your hands. Face that direction. Into the congregation. Tingling in my hands. If you're dealing with any kind of sickness, disease, problem in your body, I want to invite you to come forward and let one of these uh, pray over you, or depending on how many come forward, that you have anything, anything that, anything you need healing for, no matter what it is, it, it can seem to you insignificant, it can seem like, I don't know if this has been taken care of, I want you to come forward, let them pray over you. Just don't, don't be shy about this, you're embarrassed about this, just come forward and let them pray for you. The Holy Spirit is here for healing full restoration in your body. Just come forward and there's a couple more down here. Thank you. 
no problem that he cannot fix. Every solution he has it.
really sense that the Lord wants all of us to focus in on a promise that we desire from Him. Yeah. That we sing about the promise of the promised land, and that's real. It's it's a it's an allegory. It's a you know it's an image, but it's real. These promises are spoken in God's word. Yes. And there's some other stuff that He says that some of us aren't even ready to receive, but it has to do with us receiving the promises yeah. that He's already given. You realize Christ, the Lamb was slain from the foundations of the world. So what Adam and Eve chose in the garden was not a surprise to him. So he took care of the issue before the issue became an issue. So God's not mad at you because of your choice. He already knew that. But what he really wants is you to believe him and step in to the faith of redemption, come into the promise. Because that's how he transforms us. As we act like the Holy Spirit, we become holy. We don't become holy because we stop smoking, drinking, or chewing, or whatever you think it is that you're supposed to stop doing. We become holy because we start acting out the divine nature of the Holy Spirit. So I really sense that God wants us to put all of that stuff aside because he's dealt with all that. And just say, Lord, thank you for taking care of that. Would you say that with me? Lord, thank you for taking care of that for me in your blood. So now I receive the promise. So there's a promise that you've had in your heart, a desire that you've had from God. Now God also said in Mark chapter 11, that whatever you desire, believe that you've received it and you will have it. Amen. I don't know about you, but I thought I was supposed to have God's desires in order to get whatever desire it was that I could think that he wanted me to have. I don't know if you ever felt that way before. But he says, whatever you desire, what do you desire in your heart? What is that promise that God wants to give you? And I believe he wants to give it. Why? Because he's the God that wants to demonstrate himself through his children. You are his ambassador. You are his child. So that means he wants to use you, work through you as an eternal gate to reveal himself. And that's how he does it. 
So what is it in your heart? Right now, just think in your heart. If you have to close your eyes, you can. If you don't want to close your eyes, don't. Just think in your heart. What is it that I desire? God is with you in that. And start just lifting that to heaven. Say, Father, this is what I desire, and this is my promised land. He said, there will be blessing. God gave them houses they didn't build. He gave them vineyards they didn't plant. He gave them olive groves that they did not, did not have a part in planting or receiving from. He gave them a promised land, and he wants to give that to you. And it doesn't really matter what that is. You don't have to tell anybody what that is. God and you can decide that, and he will activate it for you because he's the one that makes promises and keeps them. Well, let's, um, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 6. And I believe it's pretty fitting with what uh, Steve Scroggs was saying uh, to us about promises. So he's asking the Holy Spirit, like, you know, where do I go, go with this? And then I ask the Holy Spirit to be with my mouth and help me to tie this together for you today. Well, let's let's begin. Let's begin in Hebrews six, verse one, and then we'll probably like just do the first third of that, and then we'll leap into the last third of it. And so let's begin here. Uh, therefore, we must progress beyond. We must go or make progress beyond that which is elementary, what is the elementary instructions about Christ. And, and we must progress. We, we must go forward and uh, we must take ground. The writer of Hebrews is saying, um, let's move on to maturity. Um, so let's move, let's move on. Uh, he lays out something interesting here, and, and, um, and I believe there are basically six basic doctrines that the church itself is built upon and foundations upon, which many of you have, I would say many of you in here, not everyone here, but have experience in these elementary teachings. But let's just go over them really fast the way the writer of Hebrews does. And he says... We're going to move on to maturity because we don't want to have to go back down to the foundation level again. Here's why. Because if you've ever built or been a part or seen anything constructed and you realize that when the construction project starts going up, let's say on a house, and let's say you pour the foundation and you go to you know, put the, like the basement section, let's say it's a cross space, and you're, you go out and you lay the block, and the block owner comes back to you and you're the foreman or you're the contractor and he says to you, you know, we've made a really big error. Um, we mixed the concrete wrong. And in doing that, now the concrete that's in between the blocks, we're gonna have to tear down the whole, the, uh, the whole foundation area and go back down to uh, the poured concrete that's in the, in the ground. Problem is, is you had already called out and had the whole framing crew put the roof on the house all the walls are up and it's a three-story. And if, if you've ever been in construction or you can imagine this being a homeowner, 
if you're third story, and Tom, you know, you know, Steve knows, Stephen knows, some of you in here know, but if, but even if you were, let's say, a homeowner and you were having one built and you're coming out, well, look, they've got all the framing done and, and the roof's on it and it's in the dry. I mixed the concrete wrong. I'm sorry. You've got to take it down to the blocks. We're going to take every block out because, you know, I put the wrong kind of aggregate together and the whole house is going to fall. You put more weight on this place, eventually it's going to just rock off its foundation. And you can imagine the writer of Hebrews and saying to us, and the Lord saying to us, I don't want to take you back through a deconstructed process. I don't like you having to repeat cycles in your life, in your Christian upbringing. I don't, I don't want to get started on something and, and it's built up in your life. And then now we've got to come and deconstruct the whole thing again and take it back down to the foundation. And so in progress, a lot of times, and I think you're probably seeing is that we, we want to make sure that what has been constructed and built even if it takes a longer period of time to get it right, that we wait to get things right before because we don't want to lay a foundation again. And that's, that's what he's saying. You don't want to go through this more than once in your life. And I, I think that many of us can bear witness to this because we, we run out there to do our thing, you know, and we make some progress in life, and then we realize that something's off and... Sometimes we call this like running a circular path. It's like been taken down another notch and it went through another thing. I had to repeat the process again. And the writer saying here, I don't want this to have to happen to you. I want to start from a firm foundation and want to build off of that. So let's not lay again something that even if it takes us a decade to wait before the Lord. Let's wait on the Lord and let the Lord be the leader. Let's let the Lord be the author of our life. It's implied here that the authorization and the author of your life doesn't need to be you, but needs to be in complete subjection in the relation with Him. And so when the Holy Spirit's coming to us like He approaches us today and He's going to speak, it's like, be Tender towards him and wait. And I mean, you know, we were up there discussing, you know, do we go ahead with giants or do we transition to service like the Holy Spirit said he's approaching. Because he's after something, he's wanting to complete something still. Well, we couldn't believe what time it was. Stephen and I could not believe that when I said we we're talking about it's 307 already. What happened to our time? It just blew past us. We don't have enough time and and if, if you feel like that you have to go, it's okay. You know, you can, you're free to go if you need to, okay? But it's like, I don't want to find out later that the Holy Spirit was wanting to move on us in a certain way and we just skipped on ahead and did our thing, right? And in daily living, it's like this because the Holy Spirit is present with us. If we're not pushing Him out and we're waiting on Him, the great, the great teacher is right there ready to assist and... Be with us and gently, because He's so gentle and so meek, we might miss Him and we go and we cut the corner, we make the thing happen, we uh, push our own will, we anxiously move to get something done, we feel that lack of rest and peace. 
and we just go ahead and move on it, and next thing you know, and many of you know this, and you know, you get to the other side of it, and you feel another emotion. It's called regret. You know, some of us have felt guilt because of that. And I, I think that all sin essentially is, is corner cutting. It's the nature of it because uh, faith, anything that's not faith is sin. So if everything else is, I'm trying to do it my own way and cut my own corner, come up with my own idea. Now, now if you want to do that, it's going to cost to you, not because the words mean, but it'll extend the process. And so the writer's saying, look, let's just stop doing that. Let's not cut corners like that. Let's wait on the Holy Spirit. No matter how awkward He makes you feel, Holy Spirit can make, it makes me, He makes me feel awkward sometimes. Feel sort of like vulnerable. You may feel dependent. You may feel like you don't have all the answers. Okay, well you are right. Well then you're in good keeping with the Holy Spirit. And so there is, and saying the Holy Spirit speaking through the writer here, hey, let's not keep doing this. All right, let's not, let's not do this. And so pay attention. Let's not do um, repentance from dead works. And some people, like, they repent for everything. They're like repenting for sins they don't even have. Y'all know what I mean? And some of the sovereign type approaches to Christianity, I've been with some of those people, I, I met some of them at the seminary, it's like, Lord, forgive me for all these things. Like, did the Holy Spirit convict you? Who's the Holy Spirit? <laughs> I was like, did He tell you that, did He come to you and let move upon your heart and let you know? No, I just repent every day for everything I can think of. I was like, it's nonsense. You need to quit doing that. And when the Holy Spirit moves on you and you feel convicted of sin, you need to repent. You know, 1 John 1 9 is clear about that. Uh, don't sidestep repentance and say, well, I don't have to repent because I'm sinless. Don't do that because John also tells us don't say that. But when the Holy Spirit commits, I don't need to rehash out works that are dead, things that have been dealt with long ago. I don't need to keep rehashing them over and over in my life. Some, some kind of guilt-based consciousness which keeps you entrapped. It keeps you outside of liberty and outside of freedom. So don't do that. Ne next he says this, and some people say this is a faith in God. There's a, the faith, there's a faith in a God who is way out there. And there's the faith of God who's living right here. What he's saying is, is hey, don't get caught up in the faith of a God who is so far off it, so far off because a lot of times in the beginning of our faith we don't see Him exactly as residing right here in us. It's, I don't know about you but me as a Christian the more I grew in Him the more I began to see that He was looking out of my eyes and He was running my frame instead of Him being somewhere out there that I was trying to get to Him which I believe in some ways this is basic elementary thinking is he's way out there, but not seeing him right here. He said, okay, let's move on. And um, and I, I think you find that there are camps that have camped out around repentance or salvation camps. So Y'all been in those churches every Sunday. The whole thing is about salvation and getting another person saved. I'm not against that. The Lord's not against it. There's a whole camp that are the faith camp. 
They're, they're about faith and trying to attain to something by faith. And, and then he goes on, he says, even must move on beyond uh, teaching about baptisms. Um, another way to say this would be teachings related to inner healing or ritual washings. Even inner healing ministry, even as valuable as it is and viable as it is, the Lord would have us as people to move on beyond just an inner healing mindset and inner healing uh, concepts. Because a lot of it can be so, again, so self-oriented. It can get us into a morbid self-introspection and not looking un unto the Lord. And uh, no offense to anybody that's been involved in that or is still involved in this, but recognize that this is elementary teaching according to uh, the Scripture. And he goes on, he says, he says, even the laying on of hands. Uh, this would be the big impartation movement. Remember that one? It's just someone waiting on the main apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist to put their hands on you. You're going to be transformed from that. What about the hands that are in your hands? <laughs> What about the Christ that's living in you? Instead of idolizing a person. But then the, the, the Lord Himself, His Christ's nature is active inside of you. And so I'm not trying to just uh, run the country trying to find that guy that can follow, or that gal or whatever. They can put their hands on me and I'll follow and be lifted up 18 notches. Let's move on beyond the elementary aspect of that. I'm looking again, and I think you'll see this. It's always looking, seems like, something on the outside instead of the one who's residing inside. It's looking for the sign or a wonder that's out there instead of the sign or wonder that's right here. Right here, Christ in you, uh, Paul will say, the hope of glory. And so I think you'll see that, even the resurrection of the dead. And even things related to eternal judgment. Even related it to the, the, all the details related to eschatology and what's to come. The reason why is because, again, it's, um, it's out there. It's, it's something that's it's going to happen one day. But hey, what about the happening that's happening right now? What about the happening that's happening in you? And so he says, and this is what we intend to do if God permits. A bunch of Christians don't like this, but the words put some kind of exclusionary clause in Hebrews 6. He's exclusive now. He was all inclusive, and now he's become exclusive. Uh, Stephen and I was talking this week, and our debrief is like, he makes it really hard, or he makes it really easy to get in and he, to, on his team. And he makes it really easy to get out of the office team. But it's not so easy to stay on the team. <laughs> it's real easy to get in. He paid for everything. It's real easy if you want to get out. Are you going to go away too? But man, if you want to stay with him, you might go through some stuff. Anybody can bear witness to that. You might taste the fellowship of his sufferings. But you'll also taste the power of His resurrection. 
So the Lord does have some exclusions. I mean, we, we think, well, no, he's, he would never be exclusive. But then he says, if God permits, we intend to go on past this kind of teaching into something amazing. He says, it's impossible in the case of those who've been enlightened and tasted the heavenly gift and become partakers of the Holy Spirit and tasted the good word of God and the miracles of the coming age and then have committed apostasy to renew them again to repentance since they're crucifying the Son of God for themselves all over again and holding Him up in contempt. Why is the Lord not permitting everyone to come past elementary teaching? Well, I think it's clear here that if you, if you become a, and move on past the elementary teachings, if you become a partaker of the Holy Spirit and be moved in this way, and you've been enlightened by the heavenly gift that God is, and you've been, your mind, your heart have been opened up to the age to come, and you turn your back on the Lord, in that condition, He calls it apostasy. And this is wild because you think there's no way someone would do that. I mean, how could you turn back now? So I think the admonition is there to show us that the Lord doesn't permit everybody to come past elementary teaching because He's such a good Father, He would never want you to become an apostate. He's not really wanting to take you out on the edge and on the fringe knowing that if you went out there and you got uh, offended with Him and so upset because of now you're in this new place you never walked in and hey, it's not the easiest thing you'll ever go through if He does permit you to move into this other uh, you know, environment with Him. Offense can be rampant. Uh, suffering can be difficult. Things and problems can ar array against your life. You can turn away from the Lord and say He crucifies the Lord of glory all over again. Now that sounds kind of heavy, I know. And it is. Because it is serious. So the Lord hasn't permitted everybody into advanced school. By virtue of you being here, well, welcome to advanced school. I mean, welcome to a school that is on the fringe. <laughs> Welcome to teaching that maybe you haven't heard before and language that's maybe different. And to be aware of what's going on even today that the Lord has invited us into His promises like He did, like Steve was saying and Stephen is singing to come into the promises of the Lord. I'm going to do this word. I I try to I try to make sense out of this. I got so excited last Sunday night. It was really Monday morning. I woke up by the word three thirty in the morning. She begins to speak to me, and uh, as you know or you don't know, because maybe you haven't been here with us, we've been in a series called Starfield Astrocyte. And you might say, I don't even know what that means. Well, I don't either. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Well, I'm starting to learn what it means because the word's like, you'll call it Starfield Astrocyte. And what's an astrocyte? Anybody? 
Uh, Tom Gross. In the brain, there's a certain class of cells that receives every good thing and brings it to nourish it. It doesn't allow anything that's not pure. That's matches. Okay. Can you say that one more time, kind of louder? <laughs> In the brain, there's a certain kind of cell that brings every good thing that the brain needs to be healthy and to grow and to knit together and to and, uh, and it brings it into the brain. It forms the blood brain barrier and it permits nothing that's not allowed in. Okay. Oh. Wow. Really? <laughs> Amazing. I'm like, why am I in Hebrews 6? It's like an exclusionary clause with the Nascar side. So we began, we began this series, and, and as you know, we're in all these keywords. And so the Lord uh, tells me, you know, your, your first event will be called Quake Quiversal. And then right before that, they come in and they put this round platform in. And it's the next Sunday, and Sergio told me, we're going to put a round platform right in the center of the room. And I said, man, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm not standing on that thing. I'm standing right up there. And the word's like, no, you're going to go stand in the Starfield Astros site. And so you go right in the middle, he's like, and it's quake reversal. And I, I'm repeating myself from a couple weeks, but I've got to build a little bit of a context here because it wouldn't make sense. So you get right here, quake reversal means to be at a point and you can go in any direction. That's kind of the idea. So the, the major idea from this is, is, is that we as human beings fix ourselves in time and space somewhere and we live out of usually, and this isn't to be our condition, but we live out of some kind of condition or place and we don't really move much from that. Some people have said or talked about being boxed in. We're sort of, our life is sort of boxed in. It has the same routine every day. It does whatever it gets by. It might turn to the left. It might turn to the right but it's still like in a fixed position. There's no like moving out from it. Quick reversal is from a fixed point going in any direction at any time at any place. Like to be able to be transferred or transported or moved backwards, forward, sideways, over there, jerked over there, pulled over there, any place. What we found out in that event was the first thing the Lord wants us to not resist is His movement and uh, his dynamic. And what we're talking about, and I believe this came out when the Word was speaking to Nicodemus, he tells Nicodemus, if you can't understand things that are of this earth, how are you going to understand the things that are of heaven? And then he begins to speak of the Holy Spirit, and he says, he calls him like the what? The wind that's blowing through the tree. And you don't know where that wind is going or where it came from or how it's going to interact with the tree or whatever. So this, what the Lord is doing with the Starfield astrocyte is He's saying to us, I believe, I, I want to bring you into quake reversal dynamic. But there's been such rigidity and, and I think neurologists call it a lack of, let's say, plasticity. There's not this Misogyny, there's a, God, the Lord calls it that your heart is like stone. It's not pliable or malleable. Can't, you know, it can't uh, take that kind of um, transaction of 
not knowing. When, and when Adam and Eve partook of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they put themselves into their own concept base and made a judgment and fixed themselves into time and space and ends up going in one direction east when they were supposed to go in all directions and expand the kingdom. And so they got, they got locked in, locked up. And if you've ever been like really like had the enemy attack your mind or you've ever been in a place of real pain, what do you always do? You'll curl up, you'll lock up, you know, you'll crawl into your bed, you'll throw the blanks over your head, you'll go to solitary confinement. You'll confine yourself, you'll isolate, you won't be around anybody else, right? Because the very opposite of what the word, the dynamic of the Lord is, um, is this joy that just brings you out wherever. The other one is locked up, I'm afraid, I'm scared, I'm isolated, I'm confused, nobody knows. Pulls you back in, shuts you down. And this, a lot of this is going on really in our in our brain. And what the Lord is saying, I believe, with Starfield Astrocyte is, I want to open up this mind of Christ to you. 2 Corinthians, uh, I believe it is, chapter 10, would be transformed, transfigured in the mind of Christ. So the mind of Christ, like we're experiencing today, would pervade over our consciousness. And we wouldn't be you know, boxed in or quake reversal. Just because we say we're going to come out of the shadows and we're going to come and, you know, here we go. We need instruction on how to live. And so the next one came next to him, 160, qualia. You find out this word is it's like a subconscious reality that's kind of around you. And I've talked to you about this, that when God speaks to you, he will give a witness, uh, two, usually two signs or three signs. It says that in Deuteronomy, let it out of the mouth of two or three witnesses of things be established. So when the word comes to speak, let's say to Joseph, because Mary's pregnant, and, uh, he sends a sign. He sends an angel. An angel comes to him in a dream, and he tells him, you know, your wife's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Um, he gets what I, I would call a qualia. He gets something that's, you know, Extras outside of his normal everyday living lets him know that the Lord's speaking to him. Moses, I've mentioned this quite a bit at the burning bush. He sees a bush that's on fire, but then he sees a characteristic about it that is not consumed. As if you go quake reversal, meaning as you go into dynamic, I don't know. I bump my head against everything. I'm one of those people who's just, I'm going to figure it out until I do. And you said, no, I'm, I'm not going to fix myself in my own workspace mindset. I'm done with it. It's just sort of, what do I do? And I don't even recognize the Lord. But the Lord wants to make this more simple for us, not so difficult, that you can recognize Him working. And you kind of, what you do is you get a fix. And I mentioned this last week because I was up on the stage. The Lord speaks to me, Psalms 19. I don't know, within two minutes, Richard Nolan texts me, Psalms 19. That is what I mean when I'm talking about quality. It's a double connotation. The Lord speaks to me. He bears witness to His Word. And now I know that I have reality. The reality is the Lord is wanting to minister Psalms one, or excuse me, Psalms 19 uh, to us in this congregation. This life of the Lord is ready for us and is all around us right now. The kingdom of God is all around us right now 
we have to come quite reversal and be willing to be moved in any direction so that we can see the quality of the kingdom moving around us. Now, uh, that's exciting, and then we, we get into the next week, and it was a, a quiddity, and I gave you what that meant, the what that was to be. And so, it's the complete essential determination of a thing. And so, what I'm doing now is I'm making an assessment. And the assessment is coming back to me about what I've received from the Lord. And so, now you're beginning to assess by quiddity. You're assessing what is being spoken to you because you're going to interpret something to bring about an application. We moved on from there to, uh, and I don't know if I pronounce it right, Quisadium. And this was the next key word. And, and we got into um, onomastics or onomatology. And it began to uh, speak to you about alethonyms and orthonyms. Now, I'm trying not to go too fast for you, but alethonym is the true name of an individual as distinguished from a pseudonym. But an orthonym is the real name of a person who uses a pseudonym. Now, the Lord wants us to have a tr our true name. Now, listen, now this is really important because this gets into our agreement, our ontology with the Lord. The Lord has like classified you or knows you as you are, you are pre-created. And He's only going to agree with the version that He made you to be. But here's the thing. While He will only agree with that, here's all He's wanting from you is for you to agree with Him. Now, because the Lord won't impose His will on you. And you'll hear me say that a lot. He, he can't impose His will because He's a, he's a good, good king that loves. And He won't manipulate you at all. So He needs your agreement. In this quasadium, what you're doing is you're recognizing the qualia. You're making an assessment on the what that was to be. What is it? It's the idea that He has or the reality that's outside of time and space about who you are. Who you are in the place where you're at at that moment. And He wants you to respond back out of your true name or out of your real name. The name that's not a pseudonym. Uh, so many of us have taken on false identities, whether you know it or not, to some extent. Almost everyone has been living in a false sense of self and living their life according to that. What the Lord wants to put an end to it, He wants this. He wants us to receive from Him through this experience and, it, and with an agreement what our true name is, not your pseudonym. Or what Carl Jung called your false self or your shadow self. So there's this war inside that's going on between my shadow self's telling me to act like this but I have this real name that the words give me. And the words are like, right, that's right. Now come with me and agree with me. And let's go on this path together. A journey that is so dynamic that you'll never be bored in. And I'll renew your mind and your heart. And I'll give you the reality of who you really are. And so when you come into this agreement, because you will be challenged there. Because one of your names, the pseudonym name, is trying to get you to go a damaged path. It wants you to go down a path and take you down a journey that leads to destruction. 
But there's another name that God's given you, the name that you really are, the name that's written on a white stone. He wants to unpack this life for us. Now, i got to tell you, I'm going to just come outside of this. I'm sort of blown away myself. I'm like, these cues are all lining up, and they make sense. There's a logical pattern to the way the Lord is relating outside of us to us. And the Lord's the one that's calling these cues to me. I, I don't have the, you know, I'm not, it's not my imagination. You know, some of y'all could disagree with that, but it's not my imagination. I, I couldn't come up with this. This is the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us. So, Jose, I mean, then we got last weekend to, and I, I kind of changed it around, the quaint I see. And quaint meant simple elegance, I think, is what curious of it. And this was just blew me away because when we come into who we really are, and then out of us comes the quaint I see. Now, it's, it's quaintese, I believe, and it's just an ending on quaint. But the idea here was, is, and the Lord said this to me, He said, what do you see? And what's coming out of your eyes now? What are you looking at? He's like, I want you to see the majesty and the glory. When your real self, when, when you align with who He says you are, and then out comes, now He said, look at the majesty you see. The majesty being Him. Because what's going to, what's, what, what happens so many times is we can go back and look at ourselves, the old self, the shadow self, and it spins us back out of quake reversal. We're back out of the thing. We're back into some cave somewhere. Struggle. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The false, the false name. And this doesn't need to happen for us anymore. And I believe the Holy Spirit's wanting to bring wisdom to us since He's the one that's arranging all these cues and I can't do it. And say, there is a way that He has made each one of us, male and female, of a way to relate to Him uh, for transformation and promise. And it has a process. He's, the Lord is process-oriented. When He created your body, ask anybody that knows anatomy or physiology. It's very, very particular. And so we get to today. And uh, so that back to 3.30 in the morning, uh, last Monday morning, the, and the Word takes me to this, this new Word. And I got so excited in the middle of the night, and I was like, I can't wait to tell y'all what this is. And uh, I put up some notes and so y'all could read it ahead of time if you wanted to. And so our Word today is quiescence. Quiescence. I believe that's how you say it. Quiescence. Quiescence, actually. Is quiescence? She checked it with, and I, I checked it this morning. It's a long guy instead of a double E. Uh, I, listened to, I listened to it this morning because I thought it was quiescence too, but it's quiescence to be technically correct according to someone else's pronunciation. <laughs> I don't know how technical that is. I wonder how the word would say it. <laughs> uh, I, well, here we go. Quiescence or quiescence or quiescence. In the south. In the south. <laughs> There's westerners with the long eyes and us southerners with the double E's. <laughs> the y'alls and the used guys and those are the northerners. 
And anyways, so I get taken into this paper and um, on neurology, and I'm like, this is wild. I'm, I'm taken into neuroscience, and I, I'm just, you know, oh, well that makes sense, doesn't it? Starfield astrocyte, and uh, and I, and so I'm just going to read you a little bit of this, and I, I find it well extremely exciting. Adult neurogenesis. It depends on the decision of neural stem cells to leave quiescence and to become neurons. The idea behind quiescence is a state of rest. Remember when the word a few weeks ago is like, I'm looking for a resting place, looking for a place I can rest. Well, for adult stem cells, which somebody, stem cell, give me definition. What is it? Very potent. In other words, they will develop according to what they're signaling in the environment. It's a cell that has the potential to become any cell type in the body. It's a cell, it's very potent, it's a cell that what? It has the potential to become any cell type in the body. It's stored in the bone marrow and released in the body via the cell And the brain has its own source. So the brain has its own source, it's stored in the bone marrow, and it can uh, regenerate to become any kind of cell type. You want to have a lot of these things. I believe you do when you're born or sometime, right? By 30. By 30? By 30, you've lost 90% of your stem cells. By 30, you've lost 90% of your stem cells. Bummer. Anybody? That's the problem. This is why it's so important that we, Psalms 110.3 happens for us. I will give you the dew of your youth. When the Lord is saying that in 103, and Tova, she blessed her heart in the South, but bless her heart for saying last year or last week, it looks like Carol's lost 10 years off his life. Because that's what the Lord said. He said, I'm going to cut your age back to uh, this, like, this year to 37 and a half. And she bore witness to it without knowing that story. I was so excited. Where are you at, Tova? There you are. Thank you, Tova. <laughs> And I, I, I began to realize something, uh, that the Lord can do this. He, he, now, that's not 30, so I've still got 10 more years to go. But back to 27 and a half more stem cells. Before you put stem cells, that can regenerate. So uh, when you're reading about neurogenesis, well, what is neurogenesis? Anybody help? What is it? Generating what cell? New neurons. Hey, anybody use that? Well, I believe my testimony today from what the Holy Spirit said, the reason why I got so excited about this is He's like, I'm going to show, I'm, what I'm revealing to this congregation, and I believe it'll be to so many more, as uh, Henry's talking to me about this morning, I'm showing you how. I go about the process of neurogenesis. I'm showing you how I can link the mind of Christ to your brain, literally, and, and cause neurogenesis in your life. This is, this is what I got excited about. You're telling me that you can take stem cells out of quiescence or quiescence, and you can pull them out, and you can cause a generation within our brain, restore even the faculty of our minds, and, and cause us to be uh, transformed. Yes. 
I can even cause it so much so that I can transfigure you. I can even cause it so much so that I'll glorify you. Because when I made you, what did he say when he made man? He's, and he called him what? Good. Good. Did he call the body bad? He didn't call it bad. Sin came in because of our decision. The Lord didn't call what he made bad. And there's been this idea, Stephen and I talked about this, that the body's somehow bad and it needs to be just set aside. And let's just go do the let's just go do the spiritual, ethereal, Christian thing, but set the body aside or let it take heat and be broken and fall apart and just die off eventually, hopefully, so I can get to heaven. Yeah. But what if the Lord put everything that was needed right inside of you? What if everything that was needed, even for glorification, completely transfigure your life right there in the very um, person that you are? What if it's all right there, right now? What if it's always been there? And what if mankind has just been going around saying, the body's back. Let's just get rid of the body and off this thing and I'll, I'll be in heaven in glory. I think that that's what... Generations behind us, to some extent, have been saying it. Unless someone like a John Lake maybe comes up on the scene and he's, boy, pops up into the church and you're like, what's that guy doing? He'll 100,000 people documented. Not saying that the body's bad, but that there's something going on in the human body when he made us and the Lord's wanting to restore it. Transform it, uh, transfigure it, and glorify it. So the body now isn't something bad. The body something the Lord is after a restorative process. And even unto the fact, and it says this in Corinthians 15, even not everyone will fall asleep. I didn't say not everyone will die because we know that everybody, when you tell them that in the church, they'll say, well, yeah, because technically they're going to fall asleep. But this passage says that not everyone will even fall asleep. Enoch didn't. And so the Lord has a generation that will not see what? Death. And who likes death in here? No one. We, we don't like death. No one likes it. No one should like it. If you do, you know, something's wrong with you. We don't like that. We like life. We were made because Jesus said, says in Revelation, it says, Behold, I'm making all things what? No, he's not. He said when he makes us a, goes from an old creation to a what? A new creation. He's not, the Lord's not into, like I'm trying to, trying to ruin your life and uh, kill you and stuff like that. It's not what he's after. And so if he's not, then apparently the Holy Spirit, I believe, is saying to us, I'm wanting some, out of quiescence, I want to raise up something inside of your, even your anatomy and cause a neurogenesis. You know, if the brain, and there's a few of you in here that really understand this, I believe Dr. Gross does particularly, and Dr. Victory, but I mean, deeply understands the science of the brain. The power of what this brain does is it runs the whole human body. I mean, this thing is running everything. And it's, it's an amazing feature. So here it is that now the Lord has given us a brain with eyes and ears and nose and mouth, and it begins to perceive Him. We go quite reversal. We perceive the qualia. We realize the what that was to be, the quiddity. We embrace the trueness of who we really are in our automastics, our real, you know, who we are. 
And then we move from that and we come to this realization, I see majesty. I see the glory. I see something amazing all around me. And it's in that transfer, really it's a quantum transfer, that my eyes come off of me and off my circumstance. And in that way, there's this transfer back. What? Well, the Lord's going to awaken stem cells out of quiescence. What stem cells for neurogenesis? You know, some people are really awakened or not dark. I mean, you met them, and some people are just bent down, and everything's just falling apart for them. And you're like, what's the difference? Something's happened to them. One of them's glowing, and one of them's dim. You know, we know and recognize that in life. And so, so what is going on here? It says that neurogenesis changes the manner in which information is processed because the remodeled network may provide new solution outputs to a given input. I'm going to read this again. Neurogenesis changes the manner in which information is processed because the remodeled network it goes back to what? Let's not try to tear this thing down over and over again. The, the Lord wants to model it after a pattern. It comes from Him. Uh, model, model us or restore our network, uh, the internal brain network. Now realize this. There's five things that must happen before this retooling happens in the brain. Before neurogenesis can happen, these other five, and I mentioned five cues, they must line up. But when they line up, and it can be an instant. It doesn't have to be like a process, but the word has a pro I mean, it doesn't have to be a long period of time for you to go, okay, I'm in the quitty. I mean, I do that. <laughs> okay, this is the quitty, and now, okay, okay, oh, okay, all right. And then, you know, you're in the next thing, and okay, okay, all right, all right. Because what? He wants to provide new solution outputs to a given input. Here, let's talk about this a little bit. Or it gives Israel an input. He tells them, go in and take the land. Stephen's singing it for us today. Go take the land. They come out of Egypt. They come into the wilderness. Go take the land. Two spies go up. Two spies go up. Ten with the 10, they go up, 12 of them come back, 2 of them give a good report, 10 of them give a bad report. They have an input, but they have, 10 of them have one output, 2 of them have one output. And you can see that that's problematic. What happens because of their output? 40 years. I want to suggest something today. I want to suggest something. I believe the word said, saying this to me is like, I want them to hear this. Did you know that I have novel pathways? I have ways to work around situations where we can get an input and an output, an I.O. I can give you an input with an output and I can shorten the process on it. I can cause it not to be so long. But I need you to embrace this process because I can so transfigure through neurogenesis your mind, your, your brain, excuse me, by the mind of Christ that instead of going 40 years in the wilderness to fix something, you can go to it like right this. Um, give, I want to give an example in, uh, in the peptides, in the peptides that are 
modern day helps for us medically. There's one of them, and yes, put me on to this, is BPC-157. Now, I'm not telling everybody to take peptides. I'm not a doctor. But BPC-157 has a way of regenerating, I believe it's uh, tissue from you know, breakdown inside of, uh, I don't know if it's just muscular system, is it just that, or is it connected tissue? And so I had tore my left hamstring warming up for the rugby thing. <laughs> I didn't even play it, just in a warm-up. Help you laugh. All right, I, I tore it, and uh, he gives me BPC-157. It probably should have taken me three months to heal. I was healed in two weeks. Because here's the thing. The Lord has novel pathways for us that are workarounds so that when the input comes, we don't have to go for a long-term thing to get to an output. Forty years in the wilderness. How about 14 days? But here, here it is. I want you to put yourself in a position with me like this through these cues. I want you to place yourself in that so that we don't have to build a house all over again or tear the whole thing down. I can give you inputs. And, and here's the thing. The Lord is so amazing. And you can ask him this. I asked him this years ago. It's really helped for me. I asked him. Well, I had found out from um, J.I. Packer that he had asked for a revelation of the Trinity. You know. And I got down on my knees and I said, I want a revelation of the Trinity. And I've told that story before. I'm not going to go through it today. But I'll tell you, I, I came up out of that experience. I had a whole experience with him that night where he reveals himself to me. That next week, it was like my understanding had went to a whole new capacity. I was beginning to perceive things multidimensionally all at the same time and beginning to process them. It changed my whole entire reality. Because I just asked a simple question, could you upgrade that? And then later on, I'm sitting in prayer, the back lobes of my brain, they're vibrating, my eyes are, balls are vibrating in their sockets. <clears throat> I can still see, but it's in full vibration. I've experienced that twice. I leave the prayer time with the Lord. I said, what was that? And he said, I just gave you an IQ upgrade because you need it. <laughs> go check it. I go took it, you know, it's one of those IQ tests. It's consistent because I've taken another IQ test. It's the same. It, and it went up 10 points. Then everybody says, you can't get an IQ upgrade. Well, the Lord can do whatever he wants. And that's helped me to be able to um, survive all this. <laughs> so the Lord has this capacity to be able to do these things if we just ask him. You can ask him for a revelation of the Trinity. The, the big thing was is, I need to understand God in one spatial dimension, expressing himself through history in another spatial dimension, and the effulgence and glory that comes from that in another spatial dimension. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. It's, as they were represented, and I experienced him like that. I began to be able to perceive uh, the triune Godhead, and, and it started informing my understanding. And, and people think, well, Carol's lost his mind. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I found it. Here's four things that I'll quote. I'm going to finish right here. What happens in this neurogenesis is called plasticity. What happens, here, here's four things. There's a discrimination of spatial context associated with positive or negative rewards. You're with, in neurogenesis, and I, I believe as your brain becomes more, we'll say, plasticity meaning that uh, I guess it's, I don't know what it means. What does it mean? Adaptable? 
you're able to be in different contexts and you'll be able to take that context, discriminate between something and know which path to take and what the reward pattern would be in it. So you're, you're given a new capacity to discern. Number two, detection of novel features in a familiar environment. You're able to find a sort of like the secret door and you know where it's at and no one else does and you're just able to go to it and you can locate it and you go through the door and it takes you what would take, you know, 40 years again, it took you two days. You just had to walk through that little space over there and you went and found it. You found a novel pathway in a familiar environment. Um, number three, resilience to stress and depression. Anybody like that one? Yeah. A greater resiliency through pressures coming on you and negative emotions coming towards you, you're resilient through it and you can move through problems and they don't take you down and just completely immobilize you. I mean, who would want neurogenesis? <laughs> I mean, nobody raised their hand. There's two hands right there on one person. Listen to this one. The ability to forget, it looks like, old memories or I, I suppose things that you don't want to remember anymore. Um, now, neurogenesis starts with where these stem cells leaving quiescence. So you got to get to rest before they'll leave it. You come to the rest of faith, and then they begin to move out, and, and they begin to go in and do what they're supposed uh, to do. And so real transformation comes. Now, I want to say this one thing. We're going to close. How do you harness neurogenesis? This, this kind of really surprised me, but not so much surprised me, but this is what they say. This is what the scientist says, what the white paper says. It says both physical exercise... Please don't get mad at me. And no sugar. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and no caffeine. And exploration of an enriched environment boosts electrical activity. And it says, yet only exercise increases the proliferation of these neuro stem cells. Exercise. And I have to say that I'm convinced of it myself now. I'm convinced that what exercise does to you really transforms you. And uh, to encourage you in that, to encourage you into uh, some form of physical exercise, that you take time to exercise your body and don't just, because science is saying that it increases the proliferation of the neuro stem cells that are there. So if you want them to, I guess, proliferate, what does that word mean? Grow abundantly. Exercise. And so uh, we'll see what next week is but in, in the next queue, but here's the major idea. The Lord's moving through this time-space, interacting with us with the mind of Christ. That mind of Christ is not somehow disconnected from reality of Christ in you. It's not the celestial and the terrestrial he wants them co-located. Celestial and terrestrial, we could call that the incarnation. He wants to incarnate his life in us uh, for complete transformation, leading to transfiguration. Amen. All right, let's stand together.
go ahead while you're standing up and uh, let's come forward while they're playing for uh, communion and then we'll uh, prepare to close.
Charles is Antichrist. Antichrist. Christ isn't in us. Christ in us. Anything that's saying something different than that, it's the wrong concept. It's the wrong basis of belief. He says, don't look at outward appearances. Here's one of the instructions that gets back to one of the few words. It's, it's the I see is, is looking into him, the author and finisher of our faith. It's looking unto him. It's not outward appearances. But when we look on the outward appearance, you won't see this transformation. But if anyone's confident that he belongs to Christ, he should reflect on this again. Just as he himself belongs to Christ, uh, so do we, Paul says. So I want to put my mind in, in this understanding to take on the mind of Christ. telling me another story that my solution's out there or that my solution is in here Christ in me though that's where the solution is it's not what you've done or what you shouldn't have done or what they should do or what they haven't done no it's it's, it's the Lord it's our eyes fixed on him everything's soft right there not looking out there to find a solution again. It's looking at the one who has placed his life in us. There's the process. For this reason, I believe this Wami and Jess, uh, this meal. And he took the bread and broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. I do this in remembrance of me. Get ready now 
must get ready now I must get ready now For behold my bridegroom comes Oh I must get ready now I must get ready now I must get ready now For behold my bridegroom comes Yes, behold my bridegroom comes Yes, behold my bridegroom comes Shining bright with oil to last the night.